This is Divine Touch. We at 950 Lounge. We're back on the ride, 950 Lounge. Sitting by the best human radio. We have a special guest. Yes, she is back. She had a little cameo a few weeks ago. And actually, she is back to kind of talk more into what she's doing and what's important. And beyond New York, just what we need to help in educating our youth in today's world. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 950 Lounge for our own segment. Dr. Sonia Toledo, again, founder of Dignity of Children. How are you, doctor? I am fabulous now. I'm sitting here with you beautiful people. Uh, you don't know me. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you don't know me very well, do she? It's always when I sound in the room like, Lord, help me with this guy. We'll get friendly soon. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming back. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, over the last few weeks, I've gotten to to get to know your, you and your staff and some mm-hmm. of the things you do and kind of talk about um, identity of children and why it's so important, especially in the space here in, in New York City. Well, um, thank you for that opportunity because um, Dignity of Children was created in my mind like a few years before I actually was able to, um, to make it real. And the reason why um, I thought that I needed to do my own company. I've been in the field of after-school youth development for most of my adult life. That's all I've done. Um, And I love when we're talking about developing our young people holistically. So um, what I realized being in the field for for years, moving up in the ranks, um, you know, from ground level, summer youth employment, and then continuing mm-hmm. all the way to, you know, vice president of youth development, big title, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I realized that the infrastructure to develop the staff that are with children directly was mainly flawed for the people that look like me mm. right. and the communities that I come from. Right. So I was, I was um, born in Puerto Rico, but I was raised in Harlem, New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I realized that there were opportunities for training staff, but very few and in between. So if a, a program had um, 30 staff people, you know, they're serving about 100 kids, 
they they could send one staff to that program because there was only one slot so kind available. Of underfunded, under, underfunded, under focus. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, not really looking at what the needs were to mm-hmm. really make it quality. Yeah. So I created a program through Dignity of Children, which was my first um, product, where. Um, I enrolled organizations for me to go to them, train all of their staff at one time, mm-hmm. and teach them all of the fundamentals on how to work with children, from child development to working in the classroom, creative work, mm-hmm. to safety, to child abuse prevention, all of those basic things that needed to anybody who works with a child should know before they stepped into the classroom. Now, when you, when you put that together and you're working with the public sector, public schools, the Board of Ed, especially here in New York, for our viewing, or viewing and listening audience, the Board of Ed here in New York can have a lot of you know, red tape and sticky components. How was that receptive at first? You know, because, again, I mean, it's, it's like they seem to, even in 2022, have the same model that when Rodeo was in school. And that might have been like 40-some years ago. Um, so that long ago, okay. <laughs> the streets were still colorized. <laughs> Not tell me, like Wait, black did he say the streets were colorized? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make a point. So, so from a standpoint, how how has it been receptive with dealing with the board and private schools? I'm sure it might be a little easier, but the red tape or the big bad educational bully, how was it receptive? Well, um, so you you hit a, a quite a lot of triggers. I'm just in the cusp of getting into the Board of Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, because of the 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 institutional structure, right. it doesn't allow you to actually um, go in smoothly. Right. There's yeah. a lot of red tape that yeah. needs to happen just for you to um, make um, impact. So yeah. I've been working mainly with nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. But something that you said was really the traditional, right? So here we are, um, and I know most of us could agree that our traditional way of, of being educated right. is that we're in a classroom, we're all in roles, and we speak only when we are asked to speak. Right. So we have to raise our hand. Um, we need to focus 100% on what one person is saying in the front of the room mm-hmm. and retain this information. And then shoot it back out and say, okay, I'm going to pass the test. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a little bit um, triggering for um, me to come in and say, no, there's another way Mm -hmm. that we could educate our young people. So, you know, roughing the feathers, being a disruptor is not um, necessarily welcomed, but um, with my tenacity... I'm willing to do that. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Um, due to like how we know what the education is right now, they've been doing a lot of cuts. So how does it work with your organization trying to work with the Board of Ed when they cut in so many mm-hmm. programs and so many um, things that the children need out there? I don't, I don't know if I could answer that completely because, um, again, I'm just entering the Board of Ed. So through the work that I do is a providing services after school. So what my, my direction is is to work with organizations that have the mindset of, of quality, 
So at least we could make the difference during the after school time that mm-hmm. children are not getting during the school time, during the school day. I have, um, I have two grown sons. I started very young. Um, they're in their 30s. <laughs> He's blushing. The camera can see you, too. You're definitely blushing. I didn't even say nothing. You're, you're blushing. I can look at you. She put it out there. She has two grown adult kids. She says she started early. Why everybody look? Why the camera looked at me like tight fit? Like look. You know? just, just in case you were wondering how could I possibly right? No, this is you. You from the Bronx? We know how. <laughs> Continue. We digress. Um, you know, even as having them go through school, um, schools started cutting back on music. On art, on workshop and yeah, everything. Recreation, gyms, um, yeah, everything. Auto shop, everything. Even like clubs, like they cut the arts out. I'm not to cut you off, but they cut all the arts out. Period. Basically, Mm -hmm. in our public school systems in New York, but if you look in Westchester or certain charter schools. Guess what they still have? They have all the arts. They have all of this. They have all of that. But that's all because they have funding. And and when you get the funding, but the The whole thing is that when you look at our taxes Mm -hmm. that's going out to the school systems, they're using that money someplace else, and we don't know where it's going. Mm. Because the whole thing is, when I was in school, the biggest thing that I find that's very atrocious is a lot of young people's handwriting. Mm. And we used to have penmanship. And well, people cannot what? even sign they or don't write teach script clearly. anymore in public schools anymore. How about that? They don't teach none but of that. When I went to I school, we used to have necessary. the book that teaches you how to yeah. make a C and, and a D. You also D had an abacus too, right? And uh, <laughs> they didn't, I don't even know if you know you have regular pencils, not even number two pencils when you was in school. It's no, it okay. was number two. You sure? Two. Yeah. They had the abacus. You, no, no, him. Not no, you. It not was a number two. Him right here. It was a number two pencil and a number three. They always say use the number two because they had the. Good point. You use the number three at all times, didn't you? <laughs> nah. <laughs> you know, I think. But let, let me speak right. a little bit about that, right? Yes. Because I, I noticed. What's your first name again? Charles. Charles. Where's Rodeo? But okay, you can call rodeo. me by my government. I, I like Rodeo. Okay. So. All right. He's all a perfect right. example on how the the um, the structure for education did not. You know, we tend to see the difference in individuals and in kids, and we don't Doctor, cater. Before you continue, they, they're almost the same my age, too, so you Ooh. ain't got it. Oh, wait, hold on. Cool. Like, well, <laughs> it's not about the age that I'm talking about. It's a special program. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just going to help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one piece to your point. This, this gentleman right here believes there are 27 words. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. In the alphabet. Wait, what? I said this gentleman believes there are no, no, 20, 26. 26, no, 26 words. Letters or words? Words. words. 26 words. Where it's his exact statement. I'm about to say letters. He meant letters. Okay. He meant letters. I was like, oh, I could so My mind was telling me no. The school system. But you see how they're messing oh with you? God. No, no, we're not. It's the truth. We have it on tape. You can't deny it. That's why he's mad. So like you're saying about the school system in him, we understand because we see what happened oh, with the school so system mean. in him. Oh, that's not what my point was. Oh, my point is, is that we don't cater to difference in schools mm, and, and brilliance. 
You're mm. brilliant, by the way. Thank you. You know, I'm going to tell you my story. <laughs> I got into this work because when I went through school, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, a learning disability. Mm. And I also experienced it with my younger son. And what I found, especially with my younger son, is that when I focused on his talents, when I focused on his skills, on his brilliance, he went through school awesome, like feeling confident, feeling capable. Yeah. And my struggle was not so much academic. I went through all the resource rooms and, you know, I had used and all of my literacy and, and reading through all the way to high school up to graduation, that's what, I didn't struggle with that. What I struggled with was with my self-confidence. What I struggled with was my worthiness. And that's what we're doing to our kids today, that we are not looking at them for who they are, who, what brilliance they bring into the world. We're looking at them of what they can't do. And it's all in our communities. Let me ask a question. I mean, I'm sorry. Do you think today the teachers maybe don't have I'm not saying the resources, but you think maybe the teachers don't have that structure that they want to like focus on a child. Structure. Well, the thing is that like a lot of today, so many teachers, the older teachers are now retiring. Now you see the new crop. The new crop don't have a lot of time. I don't think they have the ability to want to teach a large class. I mean, it's like they just want to teach a couple kids and move on and leave the other kids that may have a problem behind. That's what's uh, going on in but, the schools. But see, but that's the thing. I agree with you on that, but the whole problem is is that we have well, the communities are getting bigger and we don't have enough school systems out there. And what they're doing is that remember when we always go into school, class sizes were small. Yeah. They wasn't like 40 people, 40 kids to a class. Mm-hmm. Like it is now. Mm-hmm. And because when I was going in there, class size might have been no more than 25. And when you have 25 kids, it's easier to have a teacher and a teacher's aide to go around to work with the kids. Now you have a teacher with a teacher's aide if, they, if they're able to get a teacher's aide. And the class sizes are 40 to 45 kids. Mm-hmm. And then you crammed up. And then now look at all the schools out there. Now they have so many charter schools within regular schools that you don't have ways that you can... You know, the kids is in school 12, I mean, like 12 hours a day, and they have to have shifts. They don't have enough space to say, okay, you go to lunch at this time. Whoever think about going to lunch at 10 o'clock? Mm-hmm. You know, that's too early to go to lunch. You know, but you have that, and then you got other things. So it's, it's basically the school structure is really jacked up. They got to redo the whole school structure again. And to jump on top of that, just to piggyback, I also think some of the teachers just don't care. Mm-hmm. A lot of teachers who come into our communities, and there's a few professions that I'm not going to mention on this microphone because I don't want to get in trouble that just don't care that service our communities. Mm-hmm. And they're just in here either to look at us and say, well, I'm just going to push you through the system or I'm going to take you out the system and put you in a different system. Mm-hmm. And if you can't pick up what I mean by that, then I'm sorry. But at the end of the day, that's what a lot of people are here for. They don't live in our communities. They don't work with our kids. They don't see our kids for the kids they are. Mm-hmm. They just see them as a check, and that's it. And that's all I'm here for. And that's the scary part about it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a shout-out to our teachers because they do have a heartbreak. Oh, and, they do. And, I, and I have to say that they've been, been beaten down. 
because of the infrastructures and the and the bureaucracy that has to happen in order for them to even want to care. Yeah. So I, I really want to give props to our teachers. Some of them job. really yeah. want to do a great job, but their hands are tied on how they could do it. They don't have autonomy. They don't have um, the ability to be creative, so it gets boring. It's like going to a factory. Yeah, just so, yeah, pushing buttons. I, we, I, we have a niece, Mia Rodeo, who's a teacher, and this young girl, I, I almost took out of my That's this young girl, she gives her all, and she comes home exhausted, mentally like drained, like mm-hmm. just, it's not even so much with the kids, it's just the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And today, the teachers are like, like mothers and fathers because. You always see like they they mentors, but now you got teachers. The school is like now like your parents, yeah. you know. And you got kids that go to school that's hungry. They don't eat. Mm-hmm. If they and they try to take away lunches from out the schools, you know. Oh, they don't so, serve I enough mean, lunches. Some so places don't have enough things lunches. Going on. It's just a, it's all about resource and budget. That's what it is. This is why we need more organizations like Dr. Toledo's because mm-hmm. again we realize the. The, the structure is flawed, and again, it's going to take outside support. And take a quick break. I want to dive more into dignity of children. I know we're kind of talking about the overall, but I want to dive into your organization, the importance of your organization, and the growth, because you just had an award given to you a few weeks in the, the great state of uh, Nevada. On Comeback, Dr. Sonia Toledo, Dignity of Children's Nafi Lounge, where she want to be?
up, y'all? It's your boy Do It All, Dupree Kelly from that legendary hip-hop group, Lords of the Underground, at large of the city of Newark, New Jersey, right here on 950 Lounge. We're back on the Rock 950 Lounge, still joined by Dr. Sonia Toledo. Founder, CEO and founder of Dignity of Children. And this portion of Nafi Lounge is brought to you by the good people at Serenity Spaces by Stephanie Pearl. Yes, you might know who that Stephanie Pearl is. She's part of this cast. Again, if you're somebody who's looking to redecorate your closets for the spring and summer, um, put a new spring, new coat of paint, a good look on your home, reach out to Serenity Spaces by Stephanie Pearl. Go to her IG page at Serenity Spaces by SP. Is that correct? Well, then. Serenity Space by SP. Oh. Say it again. Serenity Space by SP. Again, Serenity Spaces by Stephanie no. Pearl. Well, you're Stephanie Pearl. Wait, you said spaces. Oh, Serenity Space. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to change the name. Serenity Space. It's our first time well, doing it. Somebody else going to somebody else's page giving her business to Good somebody else. Ain't that something? <laughs> and again, go reach out to Stephanie. That was called to be my business. Serenity my Space contract. by SP. <laughs> um, Doc, let's get into identity um, of children. Uh, again, uh, an organization, as I, again, we met you through uh, my, our good buddy Al, Al Cordobon, who's running for uh, office here in New York. Um, getting to, to learn about your organization over the last few weeks and somebody who, how, you know, how I met Al, working with kids and uh, just watching, my, you know, working with my niece and some of the development with some of my nephews who are in school. I look at what you do and what you bring to the table and say this is something that's needed. Because I, I talk to my little nephew who's in, I think, sixth grade, and the kid is like, and he's a smart kid, but you can tell he's tried to find every day to get out of going to school. And he's very creative at it. So my sister calls me and says, can you talk to your nephew because he's at it again. Oh, you know, it's COVID, and oh, he's using all the lines. And I'm like, this kid is so bright. And I'm like, if he can just find something to light the match. It could turn around. What would you say and what would your organization do for parents and families who are having the same struggle where their kids are intelligent, but from the, strat- the structure that's been put in place, they're looked upon as, as, as not eager or should be left behind because they don't have the necessary passion just to sit in front of a, uh, a blackboard? Mm. So I'm going to go back to a little bit about the school mm-hmm. being. Um, reduce in funding and removing mm-hmm. all of these activities. After school programs have the ability to balance out. So the first thing I would like to say to any parent yeah. is do your homework. Don't necessarily think that the school down the block is where your child needs to go. Go to a school that has these resources. Know your child, the artists in them. Know them in the, the... the sports in them, the debate in them. That's no, that's no, you know, those kids that love to debate, they are our future senators, you know, because they're not, they're not, they don't have a hard time saying what I think. Right. So what we want to do is we want to create environments for our young people um, as young as um, kindergarten. Yeah. Where one, we give them permission to be brilliant. Yeah. So we're not just looking at them for what they can and cannot do academically, mm-hmm. but what, what do you think? What are your ideas? What do you, like, bring that out of them as young mm-hmm. as possible and start talking to them for the brilliance that they are versus talking to them for what they need to get done yeah. or how, you know, we are, we're very, um, we're a culture of 
you know, just doing, 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 yeah. but we need to get deep into the why. We need champions because, need again, I know when I was a young kid, um, just a kid from the Bronx, it was, a, it was an older guy by the name of Michael Coleman. I, I know he listens to this show. And he was somebody when I was very young, I mean, like uh, five, six, that he used to just took an interest in me and helped mold me. Mm-hmm. And while my family moved away, that little bit of couple Itch. years put me on a path. Yes. Where, like, you know what? I see the things around me. I understand what's, what's my environment, but that doesn't have to be my reality. That doesn't have to mm-hmm. be my long term. And it helped me to be able to think beyond the physical. Yes. And I tell that to kids all the time. Your surroundings does not have to be your future reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I understand they make movies and books and it's about what's going on. But I'd rather kids read science fiction. I'd rather you read things that maybe you're not in because it helps your mind grow. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to jump on an airplane to develop, you know, a, a, a thought about what's out here in the world. And mm-hmm. I think, again, organizations like yours help the kids that don't necessarily have that role model because right. we're seeing that in this day and age that less and less kids have people they can lean to mm-hmm. because we're seeing all the nonsense that's out here. Now, yeah. see, the thing yeah. I want to know, <clears throat> so our audience can get a little better understanding, what is the stuff that your organization do? Because I know that's a good thing to let them know what, they, what you do and then how far reaching is your organization? Mm-hmm. Does it reach outside of New York City and go into different states? Yes. Okay. If you can and about, even countries. Oh, nice. If, at, now, if you can at. tell our audience about, about your organization, what do you offer and everything right. else, it'd be very helpful for them to know. That's great. Because I, um, <clears throat> we have a program called Ideas Empowered by Youth. And Ideas Empowered by Youth is designed to, to do what I just said, is give children permission to be brilliant, um, create a process for them where they're taking charge of their learning. They're, so the teacher is more of a facilitator, of a guide, of a resource person versus uh, the, the educator. I'm going to say, if, okay, if I'm the teacher and I know this much, but I just got my doctor, so I'm going to raise it a little more. <laughs> you know, basically, if I'm teaching just from what I know, this is as far as our kids. You have a ceiling. Right. That's right. 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 Yeah. So there's a ceiling to it because you're only going to learn what I know. Yeah. That's how we teach today. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, why don't we have, why don't we open that up and say, oh, this is what the student wants to do, is mm-hmm. interested in doing, is passionate about doing. I'm going to learn with that student, the opportunity of learning is endless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without even knowing you're learning. Without even knowing yeah. you're learning because right. you're so engaged and somebody's actually listening to what you desire to do. And it's not saying that the teacher has no role in this because there is always structure, right, and instructions that have to go into that. But the teacher has to know how to create an environment where young people are taking charge of their own learning possibilities. Mm-hmm. So what do you really what do you really care about? Where do you want to make a difference in the world? Like that's today is the day we need to do this. There is no other time in history and I know in my lifetime where I see the destruction that's happening in our world and our kids have ideas and our kids have solutions and we need to say what do you think about it? What, do you, what it, does it mean to you? And take something and drive it. And then give them purpose. Yeah. So I call it my, my three foundations, um, pillars. Permission, 
process and purpose. And, and Ideas Empowered by Youth is designed to do that, to create kids' um, entrepreneurship mindset, right? right? Where um, when you think of an entrepreneur, what are some of the characteristics that they have? Yeah. Tenacity, vision, purpose. Tireless. Yes, they get up whatever time it it takes and do what they need to do because they have an idea and they want to see it out. And something that you said earlier, we take a lot of pride in knowing that if an expert or professional tells a young person, I like your idea and you're going in the right direction, what is that young people person going to do? Motivates them. Motivates. They're going to take and run with it. Too many people who actually discourage our youth, and that's a huge problem. I mean, mm-hmm. even when I was in college, I had a professor that said my my essay in regards to Aristotle was like horrendous, mm-hmm. and it really put like a, a damper, like a damper, damper. Mm-hmm. On, on my whole entire world. Mm-hmm. I got so discouraged, I didn't even know how to get out of that. From that point, I was like, God, I always thought I was a decent writer, mm-hmm. but now I'm just getting more depressed because yeah. my teacher just discouraged me rather than encouraging me and saying, "Hey, let me show you how to mm-hmm. write a better paper." Yeah, instead yeah. of criticizing you. So, yeah, right. it was just mm-hmm. it was just so much critical nature, and I ended up failing the course and having to take it all over again with someone else, which I did way better because that teacher obviously cared. Yeah. But yeah. this is a huge problem, and I mean, it's it's great to see that you're doing great things. I, I'm gonna, and this is where some people may be upset at me, but you'll love me later. Say it, um, anyway. Say it anyway. We are doing it to ourselves. Yeah. We That's, chastise our kids, yeah. and this is where I get very emotional because we talk about them in general. These kids today, these yeah. kids don't know. These kids don't are not, not smart enough. They're they not up listen. to anything. They don't listen. Mm-hmm. We generalize our kids. We belitter our kids, and we res- restrict them from actually listening to them. The first thing we could do is just listen. So in our school system is a, is a different environment as well because we're not telling kids to think. We're telling them what to think. Mm-hmm. We're not asking. Them, we're not teaching them how to think. Right. But but can I say I I want to say maybe that goes back to some of our upbringings because I'm not going to say like my parents like I wanted to go to school down south like I wanted to go to an HBCU mm-hmm. I got accepted got tuition got funding all that my father looked at me and said birds fly south you're going north mm-hmm. and shut it. All the way down, and sometimes like I could have probably been in a frat. I might have been this. I might have been that. But I'm I'm where I'm at now because of a decision, like you said, where people make it. But sometimes you don't know that might have been the right decision, and it's things you'll never know. And I think that's the way we are taught. So we're taught as if you have children, you're not chastising them, but you're trying to put them on the right path. And sometimes the right path just isn't always the right path. But you don't know any better. The child doesn't know any better. But we've all grown up some way, somehow, with that type of upbringing through parents. And, you know, it's hard because our parents 
did their best to get us where we are right. at to right yeah. and then so what the distance the difference is is that parents that tell you what you can do and what you can't do they're operating out of their own fears and out, out of their own inadequacies in their own lives so i couldn't do it so what makes you think you, you could do it? Right. Or I couldn't do it, so you better do it. Right. It, it goes both ways. Yes. So they're not operating out of what's best for the child. They're operating out of what they believe you cannot do, or especially in this society, <laughs> that our children are, are having trouble just filling out an application. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for but, college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They see, don't but, have the resources. See, but the one thing I look at with that, just like what you're saying and what you're all saying within the same thing, is that we had more outlets back then than we do now. Because we had so many different resources that we could have went to to get you those extra so? things. Yeah, I don't think back, so. I think from back when I was growing from back from mm-hmm. when I was growing up, we had a lot of different things out there. We had a lot of after school programs. We had a lot of um mm-hmm. a lot of um different counselors. We had a lot of deans. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of stuff. Yes, I'm saying so we had a lot more of those things. That's what I'm saying. That's what happens when you cut the budget, you cut different things, and you don't have that to go to. Yes, our parents may not know everything, but but they can put it there, but then we also can go and find out what we need to find out. Based off what, again, we're talking to Dr. Sonia Toledo, again, CEO and founder of Dignity of Children. What Ed just mentioned has we have we become a slave to social media and technology while we know it's great. And it's opened up a lot of doors. And again, with what we experienced over the last few years and what we kind of still experienced with COVID, it has kept us churning. But from that standpoint, are we losing that personal touch, that after school, what Ed's mentioned, that one-on-one with guidance counselors and mentors because mm-hmm. everybody's now relying on social media and video interaction? You know, that's a really hard question because I don't think that the technology and social media is hindering us. Okay. It's, it's that we're not, um, we're not applying it for, for, for concrete purpose. Right. But it's, it, there is no other time than this day and age that you have answers on the tip of your hand. So why don't we're not giving our kids an ability to train them how to get the information they need on the Internet and use the social media for more purpose, right. like peer education, like, you know, if they're going to be an influencer, be an influencer for making a difference. Right. The other day I saw an article where this young kid decided that <clears throat> if you um, recycle batteries, it's going to reduce the footprint of, um, and he's like 10 years old. So now he's in social media reminding people to recycle their batteries. That's effective use of the technology we have. So we got to be very careful. When we say is it too much is because we are not, we were not brought up with this. We need to figure out how to create structures and systems to get our kids to use it effectively. But can I just say real quick something mm-hmm. on that? I want to say we weren't brought up on the social media, but we were brought up on the aspect of a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's the piece that's missing. That's what that's the blunder of social media, in my opinion, where it took out the bike riding crews. The talking. Mm-hmm. The talking. Mm-hmm. The being able to hold a conversation with somebody in their face. I have a gentleman that works at my job. He looks to the left and to the right. So one day I looked at him said, 30-something-year-old young man, I said, stop it. 
He looked at me. He said, "What?" I said, "Look at me when I'm talking to you." He's like, "Oh, like if I have to address that at that age, mm-hmm. what does that say about the kids we have now?" And that's where social media, in my opinion, is destroying these young kids. Mm-hmm. They go to school, they go home, they sit in front of their phones, in front of their tablets, in front of computers, in front of computers. I went home at seven, eight to twelve. I was going outside with the neighborhood crew. We was all on our bikes. We was terrorizing everybody. We was getting <laughs> all types of mischief. But at the end of the day, we knew we had to be home by the street light. We all knew if somebody got in trouble, we was all getting in trouble. And we all had a bond. And that's what the social networking is lost because right. of social media. Well, there's more than because of social media. Um, and again, I'm not... I'm not praising it i'm just saying we're not yeah. using it effectively right and and the other piece what you were talking about is going back to ideas empowered by youth what we're doing is creating where young people are working together in teams they're learning how to collaborate and create businesses as a team one they're learning how to critical think problem solve go deeper into a problem in the world and then decide how is that going to how am i going to begin solving that problem with my community and that alone is saying okay just like you here have created something new collaboratively that's what we want to bring into our education systems where they're thinking they're creating they're collaborating and they, they're, they're doing new things that you and I couldn't think about until they got together as a team. So exactly what you're saying is what we need more of. Right. Yes, we're not having enough dialogue with our kids, and we're not giving them the opportunity to have enough dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put the responsibility back on us because us as educators need to create these environments in order to have young people understand, even if I disagree with you, that doesn't mean that it's like, I'm not going to talk to you for the rest of the semester, right? right? Or I'm going to duck and dodge you every time I see you because yeah. you and I have different views. It's like, you know what? You make me think. Yeah. You, you build my stamina because every time me I and you talk, design, but yeah. we, right. we, you know, so let's have those conversations with our kids. We're not having conversations with our kids. Well, let me ask you, you, let me ask you this. Supposing I'm a teacher and I come say, Dr. Toledo, Give me the tools and the knowledge maybe to, to teach the kids maybe I'm doing something wrong. Are you willing to, like, I think the teachers need to be revamped. Mm-hmm. It's not just the kids. I think because the kids follow the teachers. They follow adults. If the adults are not teaching the kids properly how to, how to do things, basic things, that's, these kids then grow up. Not not knowing how to um, communicate, you got kids that don't even do that. No, we not do a, um, a, a job application. Yeah. But yet they want a job. Mm-hmm. They don't have the proper skills. So I think we got we have to start teaching the grown ups now to start giving them the tools and the knowledge. Okay, back in the sixties it was different. We in the two thousand, mm-hmm. we got to start. We got to start doing things differently. Yes. Because if we don't. The same way people are left behind, these kids are going to be left behind. And the thing is that then society suffers. And I'm going to say our kids. Yeah, our kids. Our kids. Because Mm -hmm. there are schools out there that make sure that their kids get the skills they need to be the next senator. I'm I'm going to make that clear. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so our kids don't have the resource. 
And it's not the resource like here is money for you to do this. We need to think about it in how are we creating a space to allow kids to have choice, to have ideas, to create. Um, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're not doing that at all. So it's really about educating and developing our, our teachers. Right. Mm-hmm. Want to take a quick break. Want to keep this conversation going very well scripted. Dr. Sonia Toledo, again, founder of Dignity of Children. Take a quick break. Nafi Lounge. Come on back. All right, this is Flux Pavilion, and this is my new track with Feed Me and Mish called Survive. Love Coach Envy, and when I'm not doing my own podcast or taking care of business at home, I'm tuning in at 950 Lounge. 
We're back on the Rock Nazi Lounge. We're joined by the best in radio and our special guest, Dr. Sonia Toledo, CEO and founder of Dignity of Children. And we're talking a medley of things that are surrounding education of our youth. Um, Ed, you, you had something in the break you want to start off with? Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, continue from what you were saying from the last previous segment. Um, the thing that I look at and I see is that, yes, it is about, yes, it, I mean, all the stuff that you want to do and everything else is always going to take money. Mm-hmm. And that's the one big thing about it. But then at the same time, we got to start reorganizing again to like we used to be. Because I remember back in the days, they always had the Parents and Teachers Association that allowed parents to come in and help and do a lot of different things. But nowadays, due to the fact of, I guess so you can say, due to the fact of everybody um, expenses and everything else going up, that either single household parents or even dual household parents can't be too much in the kids' lives because they always got to work. Well, think about this, Ed. We used to coach youth football, right? Yes. How many parents you met? Only the, only the mothers. Mostly How both many mothers you met? Because, again, if, if, if I had a child, I'm dropping them off to people. I want to know who these people are. I, don't mm-hmm. even, I can count on my fingers how many mothers I met. We have 45 kids out there. Yeah. It wasn't about maybe five mothers. Yeah, but see, so but I'm that's just the saying, thing. Right? I'm saying, but so that's, that's the that's thing. saying something that yeah. do we look at the people who monitor our kids, whether in school or after school, is just you know glorified sitters, or do we really want to be involved? And I think again, like Doc said, we have to start looking in the mirror ourselves. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're not looking in the mirror ourselves. But the whole thing is, is that once when you got to sit there and think about, it, we used to have two household parents, or Cost of living wasn't that high back in the days. But we, we haven't had, we've but had I'm two just, household parents have been grounds at the no, but I'm just but I'm, but I'm just still yeah. saying, how, um, think about it. A person that's working a regular job barely can make 40000 And then their bills is more than what they can pay. So now they got to work one to two jobs. And then now they don't have enough time to either be there with the kids or even try to do certain things. And then a lot of grandparents is not in the kids' lives like we all had. I'm just, I'm just saying, no matter what we look at and everything else, the cost of living went up way extensively more than what your pay is. And so when you have that type of a scenario, it doesn't make it easy for parents to be too involved like they used to be. They want to be, but they can't always be. Before you give it, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. Because, again, I think that, and I'm not, you're right cost of living, we know that, COVID, what have you, there's a lot of things going on. But that, to me, is an excuse and a crutch. Because, again, you cannot tell me that, well, because I make X amount of dollars and I have to work two or three jobs, I don't know who's monitoring my kids. That, that's the old latchkey kid when we were growing up mentality. And that didn't work either. When I'm, I agree. I hear what you're saying. Tell no, no, no. Tough, I, no I got but you. I'm saying we, we cannot keep using that as a crutch because our kids are there. So what happens to the kid? I am working, I'm working Listen. a job. I'm feeding them. But the kid's running around and games. Listen, I'm just saying like this. Right. It's not that you don't know who's going. Your kid. You know where your kid is going. You know who the people that you're supposed to be in there, but the whole thing is they can't be there 24-7. And like I said, when it comes to the, like I was talking to associating to the parents, the parents and teachers association, most of them don't get the chance to go out to go to nights, I mean, go to the, meet the teachers and everything else like they used to. That's a problem, though. No, it is a problem, but like I said, but they don't have, they're not trying to even work with that. And that's what I'm saying. So when cost of living hits, it becomes a harder thing for Mm -hmm. parents. I mean, we can like the perfect situation, but it's not, but... What about you? What you have to say about that, Dr. Salido? Well, you know, let's let's again. I want to put props out there to all our um, youth organizations that are partnering with our parents mm-hmm. to allow this to happen. Like, I I feel safe 
because my sons are going to an after-school program that they get to be creative, that they get to express right. their talents. I get to talk to my um, to the the staff about their behaviors, and they give me tips on how to work with him in the school system. They talk to schools for parents to help parents, you know, um, because I I'm a single mom. You know, and, you know, even though my kids are grown, I'm a single mom yeah. and I've been doing it. And, and never go. And yeah. this is why I so, I'm so passionate about it, because I wish all the parents have the skills and the knowledge that I have. So it's like when we have partnerships, go out there and get a school. Make sure that your kids are going to a school that you have these resources available, like do your homework, take Put them, I put them in two different high schools. One was an artist and one wanted sports all the way. I mean, when he, I put him in Catholic school and paid. Yeah. I went, <laughs> to, ca- I I went to Catholic school. Like- I went to Catholic school. So that's why I could say, ooh. Yeah, but he wanted the football. He wanted the lacrosse. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are the things that w- that matter to him. So I made that effort to but put him there. Even as a single mother, you took the time to acknowledge the gifts your kids had. And when I'm saying the edit that some of these parents just say, okay, go here, do what you got to do because I have to, I have other responsibilities that I'm going to be judged on. I'm just saying you, we have to monitor our children or somebody else will. And know our children. Right. Yeah. Right. But let me say this real quick. It's easy to say, you know, you were able to send one child this way, one child that way, but not every parent has that insight. Not every parent was brought up, and I can honestly say this because I'm a product of the 80s. I've seen a lot of them parents that came, people that grew up with me that are parents now, and I know where they came from, but they don't act like where they came from. So what do you expect the child to be? The child is going to be a reflection of the parent. So if the parent is all messed up, the child only knows what either a broken home is or a dysfunctional home is. Mm-hmm. Guess what the child is going to be, unfortunately. You can send them to all the resources and hope that other people get in their lives, but at the end of the day, it's about the two figures in their lives. And I say two because it takes two people to make a child. Regardless if the father's in the child's life, regardless if the mother's in the child's life, it takes two. Yeah. And if everybody's not there, what are we expecting? And that's what these kids are growing up in now dysfunctional homes some of these kids and I have a very close friend who's a school teacher in Brooklyn I'm not going to say what school is because I get in trouble but at the end of the day I'm not at the end of the day I hear the horror stories every single day Mm -hmm. this person comes with every day religiously during the day after work that's just our relationship Mm -hmm. and it's crazy. Like some of these kids are living in shelters. Some of these kids are going home with no food. Some of these kids are going home, no parents, because parents are working two and three jobs mm-hmm. just to pay bills. And you can't get mad at the parent because they're doing it to the point where they have like Zoom meetings where the kids have to schedule a time for the parent to make the call with the teacher so that they can actually have a parent-teacher conversation about what's going on in the child's life. That's why organizations like Dignity of Children because it helps that bridge it brings that bridge. we got a lot of work to do yeah a lot of work a lot of work mm-hmm. to do and you know all the conversations that we brought up today it you, you we could take we could take a lot of time to just dismantle them right because i want our parents to have the resources but they have to want it yeah and the kids too that's the key and yeah. the kids too and the kids the too. house has to want it that's yeah. the problem but we we could if if Starting from our institutions, if we don't give parents the permission to even go inside the school, right. yeah, 
how can we go we can't yeah. go inside the hood how we know how the car is running if we yeah. don't ever go into the hood yeah and or, or ask questions or mm-hmm. we or we chastise parents because they're asking a lot of questions mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. um we there's so many layers to handle mm-hmm. and um we can't it's not an immediate band-aid it's not a fix it it's not a put on top of the mud it's you said it earlier we need to dismantle it and start all over again and because revolutionizing education means that you have the same opportunity as the person next to you well said and you know that's what equity is about Equity is not about, oh, I'm just giving you the same thing I'm giving that person. is like, no, I'm giving you what you need as, as, as an individual right. to get to where you, need, you know, where you need to be at a high level of academia. Not the same. Exactly. Dr. Toledo, you have an event happening um, April 28th, the Youth Entrepreneur Speaker Series. I'd love for you to dive into that because that's something I think we need. I mean, I know, I think Rodeo mentioned about job resumes, and I know, like, when I coach youth football, um, I was trying to help kids in, in, on the stock market, how to mm-hmm. look at a stock, how to, um, you know, start to uh, look at how you talk to college, reading books. I know when I was a kid, real quick, um, Somebody told me I was pronunciating words in past tense. So my mother said, you know what? You're going to read the New York Times every day. And mm-hmm. I started reading the Times. And now I feel like the way I communicate, not to pat myself on the back, I feel like I have a superior communication. But it started because somebody acknowledged mm-hmm. that I had a problem earlier. This event here happened. Talk about it April 28th. Yeah, so we have a speaker series where we bring um, professionals, experts, and entrepreneurs um, to speak about um, different topics of um, when it comes down to entrepreneurship. I believe um, one of our um, efforts in the um, Ideas Empowered by Youth Project is that we want to bring the world to our kids, mm. right? So we want more professionals. This is, a, this is my pitch. Yes. Please volunteer with us. Advise a kid, be a mentor for um, business, be um, a teacher, because we, we, in the curriculum, you can actually, we have people doing series of education for um, um, business finance on their entrepreneurial c- curriculum. Um, be a teacher, be an advisor, be a mentor, be a judge this for the competition. Ongoing. This is on. Fantastic. Th- sometimes it's just one day at a time. So the people who are doing the speaker series, we recruit it. Next year, we're going to have another round. So we want people with your expertise. How could you um, share this yeah. with young people? Spark matches and, and open up light. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's what we're talking about. And, you know, we do it in different forums. We have a competition, a yearly competition, which starts in September. For any high school who's any high schooler who's interested in starting a business mm. and has an idea could enroll into our competition in June, in September and we teach them how to do the research and the and create a pitch deck to get um, their business funded. Right. So in the competition, we get sponsors to fund first prize $2,500, second prize $2,000, third prize $1,500, and then we also give the next three groups $500 each. Yeah. So from there, now they got startup money to start their business, and then 
the judges turn into mentors who mentor these young groups of kids for the next six months yeah. to start putting their um, business into action. In a form of validation because what, somebody said, hey, you know what, And yeah. validation. Yeah. Now, what, what, kind of, what kind of business um, would be recognized? I mean, because there's so many different businesses. I Rodeo, you, so I think what, you've aged out. Huh? I don't think you're eligible. <laughs> Go ahead. Tom. No, but what kind? No, what kind? Like you know, because you got people now. We were talking on TikTok that have businesses of being what they call social um, social influencers. Influences. So, what kind of business y'all looking? I'm gonna at? tell you, our kids are brilliant. Didn't I tell you what yes, I said? That you said four times. I said it already, <laughs> and I'm gonna keep saying he, our kids came to it. us brilliant. Mm-hmm. They showed up. We didn't. No adult told them to show up. They showed. They filled out the, the permission slip. We have three businesses focusing on health, um, mental health. Yeah. One of them is um, looking at creating communities, like you said, creating communities and people coming together and talking about their trauma while they're creating art. Brilliant. Yes. Another one is talking about creating, um, focusing on, on the Harlem area focusing on developing our young men who are suicidal yeah, yeah, yeah. with 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 mental health, health kits. So this is stuff that our kids are coming up with. Yeah, mental health is our kids are coming up with this and what they need is just our support. Yeah. We we're not telling them how to do it. We're t- we're saying okay, you need this. He ha- they have a mentor and they're they're um, looking at creating their first prototype and yes. putting it together. Um, we have one group of um, one team who's creating a backpack with the solar panels, mm. and they, he designed the whole prototype. And now they're doing the research on what is it going nice. to cost to get this prototype with a mentor. They they have brilliant ideas, and not only that, they could start their business now with the with our support. No. So I, I know I, I want to say this on cam. I give one second. I, I want to say this on cam. I know we spoke offline about a bunch of things, but whatever we can do as a, as an organization, because you're talking about bringing working with kids and young people and just people developing any type of feel good. We all need a cheerleader once in a while. Mm-hmm. We would love to get involved in Absolutely. the of children business because again, I think what we all are saying in our own world is that. We're here only because of the grace of God and somebody caring about us mm-hmm. and somebody having beyond our fam- our mothers and fathers that cared about us enough to say, hey, you know, when you're going wrong, let me steer you right. Yes. So whatever we can do to yes. help, I want to share that. Go ahead, backstage. Yeah, now the thing I want to know for our audience, what's the ages of that people can join your um, organization? So um, what we do is we offer services to after-school programs or schools. So we're also working with charter schools and we're working and getting in the Department of Education where we have curriculums. I'm going to just explain this. Curriculums from um, what I call curriculums of, of places that we wish somebody told us about (laughs) when we were young. So it's entrepreneurship, climate change, health and wellness, community organizing, um, urban farming, NFTs. Urban farming, NFTs are huge. Right. Um, Financial wellness. Yes. So we we are create. So I create the curriculum with an expert. Mm -hmm. That's the first part. And then we create, I created, um, um, an online training for any teacher who wants to create this environment. Wow. 
So we have curriculum from K to 12, even up to the age of 24, because we we serve the summer youth employment yes. in the summer. So you know, like right now, where are we going to place our kids to work? Right. When you can't, you don't even have an office to place our kids because most of us are working remote. Right. So we use this curriculum to get our young people engaged in the summer to do concrete you know, projects and, in their community. Yes. Yeah. And they feel they're, they're working collaboratively. They actually show up with, um, with a presentation and, and actually proposals, like the, the climate change will say, well, I'm going to work with a community to um, reduce the carbon footprint. Well, I'm going to propose it to the councilman. Yeah. I'm going to propose it to the principal and then implement it. We have peer, peer education education and health and wellness so i'm going to teach my peers how to relax before they before they study yeah and it could be a short video so if we want our influencers to be out there let them be out there with purpose um i could go on and on i'm honest like right now my passion is to get this to as many young people as possible and the way we're doing it is we work with organizations and we work with schools to and get them and now we have no. we have you and corporations yes. we work with businesses corporations we partner with experts we partner with as many people so we could have this world educate our kids Doc, we can't thank you enough for your time. I just yes. want to say one thing. Do y'all have any like national big companies that are sponsoring this? Not yet. Do you know of any? Backstage entertainment. Well, let me tell you. Can yeah, I do Doc. one more yeah. one more pitch? Yeah. We just connected, and this is the second time we met with a, a village in Rwanda. Yeah, nice. And oh. this young woman created this village to support the orphans from the genocide. So they got in touch with us because they like our, um, our product and they're very interested in bringing this product to Rwanda. And that's nice. what we're talking about. Mm. It's like, it's not only our kids. It, this curriculum could be for any global, global reach, community. Yes. And it's really about empowering our kids to be engaged yeah. in world issues now. I just want to say something before we go. You know, um, Jalen Rose, he's a former NBA player, he, had, he, he did his own charter school in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he says that it's hard, but he said what keeps him motivated is that when he see that one child graduate yeah. and go on to college, that what motivates him to do more and more. Yes. He said right now they need a boiler. It's over $500,000. He says, but he said, by the grace of God, I'm going to find that money to keep Same that school. Same with LeBron yes. and a bunch of others that That's are involved right. in health yep. and education. Each one teach one. Dr. Tamita, mm-hmm. we can't thank you enough for this yes, time. Yes. I'm Again, so grateful. Where can people reach out? Because you are an organization, a nonprofit organization that needs support of you know, people with you know, pockets. Just donate $5. Where can people reach out for that okay. info? So I'm going to correct just a little okay, bit. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not a nonprofit. Okay. And I'm going to say I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a social entrepreneur. So I was very clear that I wasn't going to start a nonprofit. But you could still I donate. I do. You could still donate okay. to us because we have plenty of 
programs like mm-hmm. Rwanda and programs right here in the states right. that are looking to be in, to be part of this program but I can't afford it. I don't want to dock any legal IRS. Right, right. And I don't want to misrepresent <laughs> myself either. But you could find us at www.dignityofchildren.com. Yes. All our social medias from um, Instagram all the way to link um, to LinkedIn is Ideas by Youth. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so grateful. You could even find a link where you could have a one-on-one with me, and we could talk about how we can partner, um, or how we could um, include you in some of the um, schools or communities that are looking to be part of this um, program and get sponsored. Dr. Sonia Toledo, again, also outstanding leadership award winner recipient that she received in uh, Gray City of Las Vegas a few weeks ago. So congratulations on your award. Yes. People acknowledging your efforts. Again, Dr. Sonia Toledo. See you on Found Identity of Children. We thank you so much for tuning in today to the best team in radio. We appreciate you. Whatever you do, wherever you get started, we're glad you started with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace and God bless.